Welcome to Gritty Girls, the podcast. I'm Jillian Christie, and my passion and calling is really all about helping as many women realize that they have a scalable superpower, grit. If you're into hearing from badass, world-class women who just happen to be top chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, artists, and activists on how they achieve their loftiest goals despite their greatest life challenges, then you don't want to miss the Gritty Girls podcast. Your journey to get inspired by phenomenal women around the globe and to learn how to cultivate more grit in your life starts now. Taja V. Simpson, the award-winning actress who currently stars in Tyler Perry's The Oval, sheds light on her unbreakable spirit. This brilliant and talented force of a woman will guide us through some of her lowest points in life and show us how they created the woman that would bring her to her highest points and where she is today. We discuss everything from speaking up for injustice, Beyonce run-ins, and why taking the first step is the hardest, yet the most important. I remember when I first met you, we met at like a Super Bowl party in MDR mm-hmm. or something. And mm-hmm. I remember like you walked into the house or maybe maybe you were already in there and I walked in, but I just remember like instantly being drawn to you because your energy is just so magnetic. You're like, oh, you're wow. so beautiful. And all this like amazing positive <laughs> energy was just exuding from you. And I was like, oh, I want to be her friend. I want that to rub oh, off Oh my God. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I just just remember like we instantly clicked because we kind of had that like, you know, that positive train vibe going. Um, Exactly. And I remember being like, oh my God, I love her. She's going to be my friend. I want to be her friend. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then, you know, the rest is history. The rest is history, right. (laughs) So, Miss Thang, you, Mm -hmm. I I know you originally were going to um, or you originally, you know, you got your your major in broadcast journalism. You were going to be a journalist. You were going to bring all the hard-hitting news to the world, you right. know, and you were on that path. Um, like, how did you, or what was your first job in that world? And how did you get that position? That's good. That's good. Okay, so I wanted to be an attorney my whole life. <laughs> my whole life. And in high school, I graduated um, high school a year early. I graduated at 16. And so when I did that, my parents were like, well, you have to stay your first year and go to the home college in Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is McNeese State University. I was like, okay. So my first semester was stay. I stayed at home because that was like the transition, right? And then I did really well. So then my second semester of my freshman year, they let me like live on campus. But my major at the time was poli-sci. I wanted to, wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to major in political science. That's what I wanted to do. Um, McNeese didn't offer a poli-sci degree. So I was like, I'm transferring. I'm going to go to the University of New Orleans because they have a really solid poli-sci degree you know, program. And that's where I want to be. I get there. I move there. I live in Metairie. I live off campus. I'm feeling like, oh, yes, honey, I can do this, baby. <laughs> I'm living off campus and I'm like oh shit I gotta get up and drive to school this is hard I can't just roll out of bed and go around the corner oh I gotta get through the traffic it's a whole level of another level of commitment that I just did not know I was I needed to prepare for and so every time I would go to these um classes in poli sci they were so analytical and they were so 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 boring 
that's when I realized that analytics and that type of if that type of major wasn't for me and my personality because my personality was becoming this I mean I've always been fun and outgoing and this and that but I realized I'm more so straightforward and to the point um, that I'm not really analytical in that way. So I was struggling to get C's in those courses. And I was like, okay, this can't work. So I called my parents and I was like, I don't know what to do now. I don't, uh, I don't really know. And um, I remember sitting in my apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, and I had a phone, I got my phone. I was sitting at the kitchen table and I was crying because I didn't know what to do with my life. Cause at that moment, everything was going according to plan and it went according to plan so perfectly that this was, this was a really big shakeup. And yeah, there's other things I could major in and still go to law school, but I did not know what that should be. Mm. And they were like, why don't you just come back home and we can just figure it out. You can go to school here and make me stay. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to go back home. I just, <laughs> I feel like if I go back home, I'm like, I'm, am I a failure if I go back home? No, no, I'm not. I can do this. I can transition. I can adapt. I can adjust. But it was, <laughs> it was a lot of that. So I remember sitting in my parents' bedroom and I just opened the curriculum book for McNeese State and I started going through all the different curriculums in different schools. And I was like, the only thing that really resonated with me was mass communication. Mm. The only one in the entire book. So I go to the school of mass comm and I talk to the dean of um, mass communication and I told him my story and he was like, okay, well, just come sit in some of these classes and see, see what you like and what you think. And, you know, we'll go from there. I sat in these broadcast journalism courses and I loved it. I went home like, oh my God. So this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be in front of the camera. <laughs> naturally, naturally. Naturally, Wait, naturally. How old were you? If, <clears throat> if you were 16 when you started, how old were you now when you switched schools? Oh gosh, maybe, wait, 16 or turned 17. Probably like 18, one on 19. Wow, you were just really yeah. like a... You know, like a young go-getter. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I have interviews and I'm telling my story now, I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So when you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah. But at the time, you feel like your life is over. Like, I can't believe this is it's, going according to plan, you know? It's so incredible that you're just like, I just don't know. And you're 17. And it's so right. interesting because that's such, <laughs> it's such a thing we put on kids, right? Like, you have to know mm-hmm. when you're 16, 17, 18. And Um, so that's amazing. So then like, yeah. So after college, like how'd you get your first broadcast journalism? Yeah. So then from there, that's how I got into it. I started being, um, like the news anchor of our school. Um, we had like a a news station for our school and I was like the anchor and things like that. And then from there, I started to intern at, um, in NBC and Fox affiliates and I was a news reporter. And then that turned into like my first little gig and I, I like loved it. I loved it. Um, but right after I did that for a while and then I was trying to actually get a like a job job and pay like more money because interning a paid internship or just like yeah we'll just like you know bump you up but I'm like no I want to be an official reporter right yeah. but I didn't have any experience so I was sitting off these audition tapes and I'm like hey you know trying to really get a job and everybody was like man you're so great but you don't have enough experience and I'm like right so but if I could get the experience you know um and then yeah. from there while I was Doing that, I was working a job because you know student loans come right on time after six months when you graduate. It's probably like six Dude. months. Oh my god, I'll totally pay that off in six months. That's nothing. No, no, you won't. You no. won't do that. So, <laughs> no, like six years, maybe like six, maybe ten, you know, <laughs> something like that. You know. So then from there, I uh, I started working at this um, mortgage company, and I know I, I learned how to do process loans. I became a loan officer because I needed like to make money to pay bills, to live, you know, and all this while I was 
still trying to pursue the career as a um, news reporter. And while I was doing that, I started taking courses in acting. I signed up for this acting course and I did so well that at the end of it, I won like three different awards. And so it was like best actress, best scene, um, people's choice. And everybody was like, oh my God, you're so amazing. And I was just like, oh man, wow, okay. And that became a whole new world for me because I grew up playing pretend with like my cousins. But I didn't yeah. know that, that I could be an actor. I never really and put that together. All the while you're in Houston and, and that that's all happening in Houston. What were they, uh, was it a TV show or short films or something that you're winning people's choice for? Or was it all in that school that you won or? It was all in that school. Oh, it was cool. all in that school. And at the end we had um, um, like a showcase. And at the showcase we had like, what's called these golden walnut awards. And so the teacher spray painted actual walnuts like gold. Like they were like, here's your golden walnut. This, and I was like, first of all, I want to thank with a little walnut in my hand. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. Right. It was like the funniest thing, but it was like the golden walnut awards. I don't even know why he called it that, but it was like real golden walnuts. Hilarious. So but I was the first person to get like three of them. So that was like a big deal. I have to know. Do you still have mm -hmm. a golden walnut? My mom has them. Yeah. <laughs> My mom, she has all any accolades. She's like, oh my God, I can't wait to put this with the rest. You know, I still got my golden walnuts. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, that's the sweetest thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents have my golden walnuts. That sounds so funny. But that was like the first, you know, thing I ever got as an accolade in acting. So that's like really that, special to us. Totally. And that sparked you. Yeah. Is that when you moved to LA right after that? Um, shortly thereafter, I ended up booking a short film and I booked the lead role. It was called The Greater Ambition. And when we had a premiere for this movie, I remember sitting in the front row like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't even, oh my God, this is, oh my God. Oh, why did I say that like that? Oh my God, oh, oh, I look horrible. Oh my God, this is disgusting. I can't even watch this. So are you guys watching this? And the people are smiling like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, shit. I mean, I'm so, so when it's over, I'm like, oh my God, I got to face all these people. I'm so sorry you guys have to sit through this. And when they called me up, they're like, you so great. Oh my God, that was so natural. You were wonderful. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was great too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was this, it was that first experience of as an actor watching yourself for the first time and you're like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa. But then I, when I went back and I could watch it with like objective eyes, I'm like, oh girl, you did all right. Girl, you okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> from there that's when I moved to LA yeah. it's always it's weird always <laughs> watching yourself uh you know yeah. in the beginning at least I guess like watching totally. yourself I'm kind of do the things and like seeing yourself speak back and hearing your voice outside of your ears outside of your head it's mm -hmm. a whole thing you know imagine when we do it now when we're doing a selfie or a video we probably do I don't know how many takes before we the real one makes it to Instagram <laughs> like, I mean you know? I'm, I'm like solid <laughs> 65 selfies before that one makes it, you know? <laughs> not going to brag, but I stay below the 100 mark, you know? Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so also, so then you moved out to LA. When was that? That was like, what year was that? Oh, three. Oh, three. Oh, mm -hmm. three. Oh, man. Oh, you three. Been, I mean, yeah. there's, there's really no, nothing behind that other than like, get it girl because you've been out there for a while <laughs> for a long time I'm, a, I'm an Angelino now I'm an LA girl for real my parents always laugh because when they come visit they're like and my friends at home they're like yeah you're so LA and I'm like what, what does that even mean <laughs> what okay that mean? like 
you know. Like really, darling. What does that mean when you say I'm so LA? I mean, thank you, but really, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, no, I know when people LA. say so LA, it's like, well, you know, I don't know. But there's, I get it. I do get it. But then I'm like, oh, but I love LA. I love it. Right. I lived here for 13 years, and I'm a proud right. like I was a proud Angelino for those 13 years. Exactly. Um, so you know, whatever. If being so LA is a thing, then I'm not mad at it. It's fine. Then I'm not mad at it. I love it. Yeah. Because it has so many different meanings. I'm like, ah, thank you. Question mark. Uh, I mean, I think, is, that a, is that a compliment? Right. Um, so I know you're also, well, like, I know you 100% produce and direct things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, like, I know, and you've done a ton of that work. Um, mm-hmm. is, is it, do you find more joy or is it just not comparable? to say like, I find more joy acting or in producing or directing, <laughs> or do you find different different things feed you in different you know uh, capacities? Mm, that's good, that's good. So I'm in love with the art of filmmaking, like all facets of it, right? So when, I was, when, I, when I'm directing, everyone's like, so what do you like better directing or acting? And when I'm acting, what do you like better acting or directing? And I'm like, it's like having two kids, you know? Acting is my first, was my first love, it was my first kid. But then directing came right after it. I'm like, I can't pick a kid over the other kid. You know, <laughs> like I love them both equally. You know, that's I, a great way to put it. That's so yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So that's for me, it's if I if I'm acting for a long time and I'm not doing any directing, I'm like the director part of me is like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we gotta get, we gotta work that muscle. And then vice versa. If I'm doing a lot of directing and I haven't gotten front in front of the camera on stage, I'm like, okay, I got to get, I got to get these characters out of me. Like I have to do it. Like it's something that I legit have to do. Totally. Oh yeah. It's just, you know, having those different outlets, I'm sure too, you know, as an actor, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I acted for a, for a quick minute, you know, but (laughs) as an actor, I think, you know, sometimes you see the whole picture or some people have that in them where they see the whole picture Mm -hmm. and that's what drives them to want to direct also. And, and do all those things as well. So no, I love that. And I know you have a you have a film coming out. Is that right? Oh, sorry. For those of you who can't see me, I was dancing. That was my little twerk dance. Yeah. Um. <laughs> she was she was twerking. You missed it. Sorry, everyone. It was like a little like yes. So I have two coming out. One is called Lola. It's a boxing film, and I'm super excited about that because I. I never boxed before in my life and I had to learn how to do that. And so I worked with um, about three different boxer trainers in LA to be able to really get my body and mind and spirit ready for a role. And that was the most challenging role I had ever done to date because not only did I have to learn a whole new skill set, but you have to do that while not, while understanding and learning the choreography, while saying your lines and not getting hit, go, you know, (laughs) it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So it was a whole new world for me to do this role. But it was it was definitely crafted and molded for me. A friend, it's so interesting how I got it. A friend of mine sent me a um like a little breakdown for it. And it was like, hey, you should, you know, submit for this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I I'd like to play a boxer, like, all right. So I see it and I don't submit for like a week. And I'm like, oh man, I wanted to submit for that. I submitted. Never heard anything back. Um, cut two, I ended up doing a short film called Intercept. This short film went on to like 30 plus film festivals. It won a bunch of awards, including I was nominated four times for Best Actress and I won three of them. So three out of four, I won. In one of the film festivals I was in, thank you, um, it's called Validate Yourself. 
in this film festival, which happened to be the writer-director of the movie Lola for the boxing film. He saw me in this and was like, oh my God, I have to find this girl. She, she'd be great for Lola. So he goes and he, he hit, I think he goes through like the producers or what have you. He's looking and he reached out trying to wait for them to give him information. And then he's back into casting for his next film, which is Lola. So as he's going through emails, he comes across my email and he's like, wait a minute, this is not the same girl. It's the same girl. <laughs> so months before I submitted for the film, he sees me in something and then he hit me and then, you know, we started communicating. I was like, this role is yours. I cannot believe I found you in the world. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, okay, I'd love to read it. I'd love to play a box. I've always wanted that. Let me read it. And I read it and I was like, sold. And I got to shoot that in New York, New York City. Woo! Got to shoot that in New York. <laughs> so that was another big selling point. Because I'm like, oh my God, when you don't have this movie in New York, you know I got to go to New York to do this movie, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I just got goosebumps. That's so serendipitous. Yeah. But at the same right? time, it's like, it's so, you know, it's like destiny. That's what people talk about, like when hard work meets opportunity and all those things. You know, exactly. it didn't happen by happenstance, you know, it was meant for mm -hmm. you. That's so cool. That's so um, cool. I would love to backtrack just a little bit because mm -hmm. I want to know before, I mean, you're in film festivals, people are seeing you and casting straight from <clears> that. <throat> and that's so cool. But mm -hmm. like, let's go back to like, you moved out to LA in 2003 and you're like working your way into this wild industry that has no roadmap, right? Mm -hmm. Like, did you, right. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh. <laughs> Go to school for this. I always say there's no syllabus for it. And that's that's just like that. There's no syllabus for it. It's not like here's your syllabus, you go through this, and now you make it to the next phase. And then you do all these phases and now you're a star. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh all right. That's right. Um, but but was there was there like a moment? Did you ever have your like your moment where you're like, whoa, I really, I'm, it's happening, you know, like, or how, you know, how long did that take until you were feeling that? Or do you even feel that? Cause like, mm, you're on good. top of the world, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, yes, I've had moments where I felt that, but it, it wasn't as consistent as it is now. So the industry is going to ebb and flow, right? You're going to have highs and lows. You're going to be like, oh my God, I'm working. And now I'm not, oh my God, I'm working. And now I'm not. So with all of the ebbing and flowing, um, I, I realized that so much of my happiness depended upon making it, you know, it depended upon booking this next job and doing this next thing. What I wanted to book that next thing that could take me away from the marketing gig because the marketing gigs were always my waitress job, if you will. <clears throat> so the ebbing and the flowing. So I had moments where I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. When I booked Bold and the Beautiful and then that role started recurring, you know, I was like, okay. And it slows down. Oh my God, it's happening. When I booked Grey's Anatomy and it's like, oh shit, I'm on Grey's Anatomy. I'm Man, y'all see me on Grey's Anatomy? I mean, <laughs> come on. What a oh, it slowed down again. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, it had all of these ebbs and highs and lows and peaks and valleys. And that just became what it is. It wasn't until, like right now, let me pause. Right now, yes, I am in a, a space where I'm like, I'm a working actor and actor acting pays my bills 100%. That's always been the goal. But it took a long time to get there. I booked this role last year. You know what I mean? I've been consistent in booking with co-stars and guest stars and a film here and a film there, but none of that has been enough to sustain a livelihood in Los Angeles, California. You have to have something else because LA is a super high place to live. The cost of living is super high, super expensive, right? So you needed something else to offset that. And that was 
my marketing gigs, which I love marketing. If I wasn't an actor, I, if I had to pick a profession, I'd be like, okay, marketing's my thing. Um, but it, it's interesting enough, wow, this just hit me. Interesting enough, they're kind of synonymous with acting because in acting, you're going to be in different roles and different, you know, um, facets of that every time. And marketing for me, it was the same way. I have different clients. I'm working with different brands I'm working with. So everyone, yeah, you have your, your toolbox and your toolkit of things that you need to bring to the table of your skill set. But every way you market a brand is going to be completely different from soda to alcohol to um, supplements to a bank to a coffee. And I think that's what was so exciting to me with marketing because it was something different and new all the time. So if I work on a program for 16 weeks, three months, a year, the next year is going to be something else. Same with acting. In acting, I'm in this character. Okay, great. That was over. Now I'm going to this character. Ooh, this is a different one. Ooh, okay. Now I'm going to this character. So they're synonymous in that way that still brought me happiness while I'm trying to get to the bigger goal of where I am now of making it. So, and so you're saying, you know, like happiness, it's not the destination. You have to find, you know, find it in the journey and find it find through it other means of expression and, and outlets and things like that. Um, Absolutely. You know, here's the thing about happiness. Happiness always depends on an outcome. Happiness tends to always depend on an outcome. I'll be happy when, but that's not happiness. Like you have to find your joy and your happiness in every day waking up and your gratitude in every day waking up. And this is just a joyful, happy day, no matter what happens, whether you got the call about booking the job or you didn't book the job or that you're the choice or you're not the choice or whatever it is, whatever profession it is, like you have to find your joy and peace for you. And I had to really work to find that in me because I had to learn to be, you have to be perfect, whole and complete by yourself. You have to be happy with you 100%. <clears throat> I didn't get to the place where I am now until I did my personal work, my self-discovery, my self-work on me. Because I allowed this um, profession that I'm in, I allowed that to dictate my happiness. I allowed the amount of money that I had in my account to dictate my happiness. No, that's not how it works. Whether you are you're spiritual, you're religious, whether you are I, I, the universe or whether you're God, whichever one, to me, they're the same. It's like having six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. When you talk about the universe, uh, for some people, that's God. You talk about manifesting, for some people, that's faith. It's the same. <laughs> like the Amen. principle of it is the same. Yeah. And all it says is <clears throat> you have to believe before you receive, right? You have to have faith. You got to believe that thing before it actually comes to you. On the universe side, it's, it's you have to, um, the vibration precedes the manifestation. What, that, what does that mean, Taja? Thank you. I'm glad you asked. All that means is <laughs> the belief that you have Take it back, a step, a step backwards. A belief is only what you tell yourself until you believe it. That's all a belief is, right? So whatever it is that you're believing your, it for in your life, you have to believe that thing. You have to live that. For me, that comes with affirmations. Just the other day, there's some things I'm like, okay, I need to manifest this in my life. I need to get in the vibration of that. So then I, in that moment, I stopped what I was doing. I always set a timer on my phone for like three to four minutes. And I literally just close my eyes and I sit and live in that vibration. What's happening is you are launching a rocket of desire. That desire is going out. Our, our job, whether you universe, whether you're God, is not to worry about how it's going to happen. Our job is only to believe that it will. Mm. So after I launch that rocket of desire, I'm like, cool, my belief is everything always works out. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited because when that comes, when I get the vibration of that and when that manifests in my life, <laughs> I'm excited. So now my job is to be excited as if I already have it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. So me learning that 
is what allowed me to be in this space of, oh, I've made it. Now I have this, I'm a serious regular on a number one hit show and on cable television. That's a really big deal. You know what I mean? Now that <clears throat> booking this job has changed my life for such so many different positive ways. But it only started because I was able to work on me. Been through so much stuff. We can talk about a couple of them if you want. Uh, <laughs> but absolutely. so many things that like got me there. So so how did I get there? Like, okay. <laughs> and and just to like kind of re-hit and reiterate what you're you're saying, I, you know, there's a I don't know if you know Dr. Joe Dispenza, but I listen to him a lot too. And he says the same thing, you know, just really when you're meditating, it's about, you know, feeling it already, feeling that you're yeah. in the place that you want to be in and you are that person already that's receiving these things or living that life. And so it's so interesting because you are living the life you wanted and that's mm-hmm. what you practice. You practice like putting that out there vibrationally, uh, <clears throat> like in your body and then out into the world. And that's so mm-hmm. cool. But I would really that's love to That's where the visualization comes in. That's where mm-hmm. visualization comes in. That's where understanding the power of the subconscious mind. So all of that is you're, re- you're programming your mind. Like the mind is, the, is, everything else will follow. You get the mind, the body will follow, Right. So in that is understanding that there's power in the subconscious mind. There's the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the superconscious mind. The superconscious mind is where we want to be because we're just coasting and knowing that everything works out. There's no stress, no worry, no fear in the world, right? Yeah. But we're human, so we've been conditioned to believe there is fear. I don't believe fear is real. I always say fear isn't real because it doesn't exist. It exists in our mind. It, it exists because we believe it. If you believe it, then yeah. Mm. But when I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. Mm. That was fear. Yes. But I'm not afraid of the dark now as an adult. Can you imagine? No, the fear just changes. The fear evolves in your life, whether it's, I don't know, I need money for this. How is it going to happen? Oh my God, I'm so scared about this. Oh my God, I have anxiety. You keep telling yourself all these things, words of power, life and death and the power of the tongue, right? <clears throat> yes. Excuse me. You keep telling yourself all these different things and the power of that, you will live that. You, you We literally live what we speak over our lives. And so, we, you know, and what we focus on, we see mm-hmm. more of. I mean, it's, ah, it's just... It. If you just go back to a very simple principle of like, if you're thinking of a white car when you're driving, all you're going to see are white cars, you know, or something yeah. like, you know, yeah. it's if you focus on, on positivity or optimism or this, this future that's beautiful and non-stressful and all the things, you're going to see more of that in your life. It's just like all about putting that energy in the place, you know? Agreed. Um, Agreed. Oh, I love that. I love that. But I, <laughs> I personally know because I've, I've done a lot of self-work myself as well. A lot of times uh, when I am, when I am kind of brought to that place of really honing in on myself, especially as a mm-hmm. younger person, when I was younger, it was brought on because I had gone through something <laughs> like traumatic or I was in a lower mm-hmm. vibrational place in my life. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear if like any of that resonated with you and why you, you sought out to like find that, you know, that goodness within yourself instead of looking for outward outcomes and all that. Absolutely. So I've always been this like positive person, right? I've always been this person that that super high energy, believe everything will work out to an extent. The lowest point in my life was when, excuse me. The lowest point in my life was when I met this wonderful man and we got engaged. Um, and shortly after our engagement, I come to find out that he was suffering from a mental disorder. He was bipolar. Mm-hmm. So we are, we're, everything's going great. He flew me to, we went to Hawaii for my birthday, proposed. and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. 
Um, life, it's like I came, he just came and swept me off my feet, right? One day I had an event and he had come outside and he's like, oh, I got something for you. A brand new car just pulls up, a convertible BMW. I'm like, what? This this is for me? What? Where have you been? What? <laughs> what? It was like crazy. Wow. It was amazing, right? Then all of a sudden we get this new condo. We're, we're planning this wedding and everything is great. And then he started to change. He started to change. He started to change, but like drastic to the point where it was like, well, I don't know who this person is. It, it was like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. From there, <clears throat> excuse me, as I'm planning this wedding, I'm noticing this change in him. I'm, I'm, he's, he's talking to me like I've never spoken to me before. He's being super disrespectful to me, my parents, my friends, my family. Like everybody's like, hey, is he okay? Hey, what's going on? I talked to his, his, his mother and she says, yeah, he told me, he told you that he was bipolar. And I was like, I'm sorry, you're saying the bipolar guy told you, he told me I was, he was bipolar and you never wanted to follow up with me with that? Like that's just in my brain crazy. We come to find out he, had, he, was, he was diagnosed when he was 11 years old and he had been dealing with that for such a long time and he had gotten off his meds. And the meds that he was supposed to be on was supposed to be for um, treating bi bipolar and a, a certain form of schizophrenia. Here's the thing about mental illness. You need to know what you're dealing with in, in any of it. And this is my first foray into it. And it's, it's, it's scary for me, right? It's really scary. Um, at the time I was working this, this, I was working out of town in and out of town for this marketing gig for one of my brands. And, um, <clears throat> I come home, this is Christmas. I come home and he's, I don't even know who this is. He's like a shell of a person that I don't even, I don't even know. I don't know who this is. It's like, a, it's like a, he's possessed, right? It's like a whole other person. And he sits me down and he's like, yeah, I just, I just changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I just. I'm just going to redo my life, everything, all the old stuff I don't want to do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yes, I just packed, I'm going to pack up all my stuff and I'm just getting out of here. Like, I, I, just, I just can't do this anymore. I have to, the thing that stuck with me is when he said, I need to get rid of every, all the stuff that doesn't matter for me in my life and move forward. And you're mm. part of that. And I was like, devastated. Mm. Because I went from, you know, me, myself and I, the single girl in LA to meeting who you feel like is the one to then becoming we us hours we're planning this wedding and then all of a sudden out the blue he's like leave me left um I'm so I'm, I'm I get so depressed that day went to night night went into day I couldn't move off my sofa like I couldn't talk mm. I could not utter words and we wanted to have a big wedding I had 10 bridesmaids okay 10 and I'm having the girls call me like, oh my God, okay, listen, this is what I was thinking for the bridal shower. So they're just calling me voicemails and everything is normal. And I'm like, I can't, huh, I can't breathe, Jillian. I can't oh. breathe. I, I literally cannot breathe. They're like, oh my God. So I said, did you get my email? Girl, call me back. What's, what you doing? I know you're traveling, you working, but girl, we planning a wedding. Ah! And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. I have to tell my friends at some point. But for the first week, I couldn't talk. <clears throat> Well, being an actor, when I decided to ask them to be my bridesmaid, I sent a video just out the blue. And I had did 10 separate videos and I did this whole thing. And I was like, you know, and I asked them, and everybody's like, oh my God, we're all crying. It's like a whole thing. So I knew I could not have this conversation like 15 times. You know, you got to tell your parents, your siblings, your friends, your bridesmaids. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I made a video. And I, it was like an 18 minute video where I sat there and I just had to let it all out, but I'm crying so much. And it's, 
it's and I still have it. It's literally mm-hmm. the lowest point of my life. Taja, I'm so so sorry. That's and that's it's hard when you're already like you're at the eleventh <clears throat> you know, hour right before your wedding, and mm-hmm. that is when it all comes out. Can I ask you, Taja, yeah. how long ago was that? How old were you? Four. That was four years ago. That was just four years ago. Yeah, that was four. It was in 2016. Yeah, that was four years ago. And I sent the video out to them. And so they're all thinking like, oh my gosh, this is another video, you know? And I was just like, watch the video and respond back with a video or a text, but I'm not able to talk right now. Mm. And they they all watched it. They all um, came back with, you know, very, and, and it took me about two months to come out of that. Mm. But... From that transition, I was like, okay, I can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's the exact definition of insanity. So that is what led me to my personal spiritual growth. I got a, I, my friend introduced me to this book called The Wisdom of Florence Scovel Shen, and it's four books in one. And the, the main one is The Game of Life. There's another one, like Your Words Are Your Wands, mm. um, The Power of the Spoken Word, like all these different books. And I, I read these books and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But the thing about reading books everyone it's not just about reading it it's about the application Mm. in your life yeah so then I had to apply all of these different things to my life I had to I had to work on my verbiage because I realized my vernacular was negative the things I said I wanted I was also speaking against it in some doubtful way right that's a countering it's not going to happen it's never going to show up in your life because you're not you're not believing for it right so I had to work on that. Instead of, instead of saying like, I can't, I say, oh, this is an area of growth for me. I had to give myself different, different phrases or um, affirmations that would really help me get out of that space. And it, it was hard. It was, mm. it was hard because I didn't want to get off the sofa. I didn't want to get up and do the work. I didn't want to do anything. And then to top it all off, I was going through um, a physical ailment with my hip, my my left side of my body, my hips started started bothering me tremendously to the point where I was on a walker. If I had to travel, I was in a wheelchair. So when he left me, it was left in that state. Wow. So I was, I, I, man. So when I say that's the hardest part, it's not just so much like, oh my God, I had this guy and then he left me and then I had in the wedding. And, but it was, it was all of it. I had two, I remember being in my living room and I was praying. <clears throat> and at that moment I, I declared I was like, I will no longer allow man, one man, man to have that much power over me. Because what we do as women, we relinquish so much of our power to other people. We put everyone in front of ourselves instead of putting us first and making sure that we have enough to give. We give everyone everything and give ourselves whatever we have left. And that's so opposite. And I had to learn that. So now I'm in a space of if it's not something that I desire, it's not something that I want, I'm not going to deal with it. Like my friends know, (laughs) like, I'd be like, no, I can't. I'm not the friend to call to be like, oh my God, I just want to sulk and live in this place for like 15, for like 15 days or two weeks. I'm like, I'm not the friend. Nope. Nope. And that's so powerful. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the difference too, between, you know, women and men. And I, you know, I kind of, I kind of had my own um, experience with that too. Like a whole fiance situation disappeared Mm -hmm. out of the blue I'm making, I'm, you know, completely glossing over it, but it was that, yeah, yeah. Same, that same visceral, um, yeah. you have a physiological reaction to it. You have pain mm-hmm. in your body and I'm sure mm-hmm. it agitated your hip even further than what it was right. already feeling. Um, but it's such a powerful thing going back to, you know, the difference between, I think women and men, 
when we go through a trauma like that is I think women feel it fully or that we, mm-hmm. we at least allow ourselves to try. And, and, you know, as, as, you know, awful as it feels in the moment, it's so therapeutic to take those two months, you know, that you did mm-hmm. kind of rid it from your body and extricate that like icky feeling. Right. Right. And instead of sometimes I not in, and I don't mean to generalize men and women, but some people will just, you know, compartmentalize, turn it off, not feel the things, move on with their life totally. and, it shows up and manifest in other ways. In other ways. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so powerful though. <laughs> like you, you kind of went through it, you like felt it and you like really made it through to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but you learned, you learned about yourself in the process. You learned, I, yeah. I don't need to sit in that sulky place because I know mm-hmm. what I'm capable of. Um, right. And I can, I can move forward, like, because I've been through the things, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it goes back to the belief of, uh, you know, I, I can do hard things because I've been through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's absolutely right. And I think for anyone that's listening that may have dealt with depression or anything like that, the hardest thing to do is take the first step. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, oh my God. I just remember not having the courage to tell anyone mm. because I felt like I'm, too, I'm, I'm this, this positive person. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all these things. I, I can't be battling this, not me. Like I'm stronger than this. Like I'm better than this. Like all these things that's in my mind that I'm telling myself that are, are variations of me for sure. However, when you are in a place for whatever reason that gets you there, Unfortunately, that can then lead to suicidal thoughts, other things that a lot of men and women can succumb to. But if I can just encourage you guys, anyone who's ever at that moment, to literally just get up, take the first step. When I tell you, it was like the hardest thing I ever did in my life. It was like being in spiritual warfare. It was like literally something pulling me back the whole time, like, no. And I just, in my brain, somewhere in me, it was like, I'm, I can do, I'm better than this. I got to get up. I got to do it. And when I finally got up, my first step was leaving the house, whatever that step is for you, right? So my first step was getting up. Then my first step was like um, going outside. Then my next step was going to whatever those goals are that you set for yourself, do it because you are worth it. You are worthy. You are worth it. And this too shall pass. Time heals all wounds. Just mm. believe and know that it will. And it just, you have to take it every day at a time. It's literally a one day at a time thing. Wow, Taja. That's... And then celebrate those small wins. Like when I got out the house, I was like, oh my God, I got out the house today. Okay, okay, you got out the house. It may be another two days before I could do it, but I did it that one day. So if I did it that one day, I can do it again. It's, it's taking one day at a time, one day at a time. Taja, that is so beautiful. Yeah. And I thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's um, kind of going back to being so positive and being like such a public figure, mm-hmm. you know, people expect you to be positive all the time. Mm-hmm. They expect this, like this, you are their kind of stress reliever in a sense, like you're their positive right. light that they can look to and, and they expect you to be there. So it's, it's, super powerful when you can speak about those things. Like when you're in a place like that, it's, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems helpless. So, you know, as you were mentioning, um, right. but taking that first step, that's so important. And also, I mean, it's so applicable to right now during COVID and people are just mm-hmm. completely, not just COVID, just everything in the world that's kind of unleashing. And like, we're in this perfect storm of things to kind of remind people that just take the first step, right? Um, right. Whatever that looks like, whatever, like if you have a small voice in the back of your mind, just like, oh, I want to get up, or I, I need to, or something, listen to it um, mm-hmm. and, and follow it. Because you'll be so proud of yourself. Like I, I think what's making me get emotional right now is when I am such an, an actor though, <laughs> like in the sense of like, I feel it so much, you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, but, but I'm, it makes me proud of myself because when I, I haven't told this story in a long time. And so as I'm sitting here visualizing myself on my sofa and visualizing what that was and being like, you can do this, like chanting myself on, it it makes me feel very proud that I was able to get through that because I know so many people don't, right? So that's why I was like, let me just take this moment and encourage anyone who's ever feeling like that, felt like that, applaud yourself. Great job. You did wonderful because you did it. And those one, those small little baby steps, that's what anything, that's what goals in your life. You have to start with small steps. Those small steps get you to the bigger goal. So you can't be like, yeah, but I just did that. Hell yeah, you just did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. That totally. small step gets you to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, to the goal. And that's what it's about. All the steps in between, enjoying the journey of life, not just looking at it from like, the standpoint of like, but I haven't reached that, but you will one day at a time, one step at a time. Beautiful. You got this. Yeah. Beautiful. And it, it, it like we do, we need to, we need to stop and, and, you know, really celebrate the small wins. Cause that's like you said, that's how we can keep going, you know? And it also, mm-hmm. I think reinforces that, that energy that we can do it and we have done it and right. we've accomplished and it reinforces that energy inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was just having this conversation the other day with someone just, you know, like, Right now, especially, you're stuck in your house all day. You're working, you know, from home. Be proud that, like, you got out and you, you know, you did some errands. Like, that's that's an accomplishment, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a big it deal is. right now. So things like that, too. And um, it's it's just so important as a reminder for everyone. And, and, and uh, especially right now, there's just, like, this overwhelming energy that I think is just kind of attributing to, to those types of feelings even more so. Um, and people right now. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing that though. Like it's, You're it's welcome. not easy. It's not easy to talk <laughs> about, especially with some, with, you know, such a, the vibrance that you, that you put off into the world and the light that you mm-hmm. are. I think it just mm-hmm. speaks volumes to how much more even a light you are because you can share those types of things. So thank you so much. Absolutely. You're welcome. I was like, Oh God, I feel this coming up over me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you I was mean, like, oh you, wow. All you right. Definitely brought okay. you, yeah, you got this out of me today. Okay. Great. <laughs> oh, good. Um, well, okay. Now this is a little different of a of a topic because I heard from a little birdie that you uh you met Queen B herself. <sighs> good transition. Great transition. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I met Beyonce, guys, because, I mean, clearly everyone knows what Queen B means. I mean, who else is Queen B? But, <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> after booking Tyler Perry's The Oval, um, the number one scripted cable television show on BET, just got to put that in there. 
<laughs> um, after booking that, Tyler Perry um, had a um, studio grand opening that we shot at his, you know, his new studio. And at the studio grand opening, everyone in the world was there. <laughs> Presidents, like I met Clinton and Hillary and Bill and Hillary Clinton. I met some of everyone, including wow. Beyonce, Jay-Z, Diddy, Spike Lee, like some, everyone, right? And, but the moment I met Beyonce, someone was standing there and they, just, they like shot a video and that video went viral. But I went up to her and I just thanked her for the song, Brown Skin Girls, you know, about Brown Skin Girls. I said, because that song just made me feel even more proud to be brown. Cause you know, I grew up in a society where um, being black is a bad thing and then being dark skin is you're at the bottom of the totem pole. So that was a whole thing. So this song, made me feel even more proud of being in the skin that I'm in. And I was just like, man, thank you for that. And she was like, oh my gosh. She was like, you're beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. She was like, wow, thank you for saying that to me. She said, that's what I want for my kids. You know, I want them to grow up being proud of who they are, being in their own skin. She was like, so, and she gave me this really big hug and we had a cool moment, you know, it was like really great. Um, but yeah, that's how I met her. And it was just like such a great experience because she was so gracious and so sweet and so kind and all the things you want the person that you love from afar to be, she was that. <laughs> you yeah. hate when you meet a person like, damn, they was a dick. Oh, man. Like, I would be devastated if The Rock was a dick to me. I mean, he would never be. But I'm just saying, The Rock is like, oh, The Rock. And if he was like a dick, I'd be like, oh, uh, but I've loved you for so long in my heart. <laughs> I can't, I honestly can't see him being anything less than jovial. And super nice. Exactly. Yeah. But wow, so what a, like, what a yeah. really cool experience. What a cool experience. Yeah. And and really, you know, you know, really awesome too that you had the, you know, the wherewithal to share to share that story with her, like kind of on the spot situation. That's really cool. Yeah, it was just a random moment. I'm like, what do I say to Beyonce? Hi, love you. You're amazing. But in that moment, I just was like, I just want to thank you for this. Cause that that was worth of power. And and mm -hmm. and and visuals matter, like being representation matters and being able to see yourself in a positive way. You know, um, being a black woman and living in the world that we're in and the culture that we're in, when Black Panther came out, that was a really big deal for um, black people, people of color, just because this is a way we're, we're depicting such a positive thing, even for women, like his army was all women and you had to be chocolate. Like they were all chocolate, strong warrior women that, you know, if you're dark skin and you're in a movie in a lead role, you're like a maid or this or that, but you're not the leading lady in the romantic comedy and both guys are vying for your attention. That's not the norm. You know what I mean? So to see that, it, it gave us so much pride. Um, it was so powerful to see. You see all these little kids like dressing up like all these different characters from Black Panther in such a positive way because Hollywood doesn't readily put those things out all the time. That's not the norm. What you're going to see is all the negative stuff they put on the news and all the stuff that they put in. If, if it's a, especially if you're a dark skinned person, then you're going to be the thug. You're going to be that. You're not going to be the smart guy. Like the smart guys, I mean, the cute little light skin thing. Colorism is real. Colorism is real. It goes all yeah. the way back to Jim Crow, goes all the way back to, you know, the house slave, the, the, the Negroes and the house slave and the field slave and all these different things. And as we see in today's society, that has still perpetuated even now, which is interesting because, um, it took a pandemic, it took the world to shut down for the rest of the world to see what we live every day. Systemic racism is something that goes on all the time. 
every day and we see it. White privilege is a thing that people don't even, well, it's not a thing, whatever, whatever. No, 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 sweetheart. It's, I'm not saying it's your fault. It's your ancestors' fault. That's, but this has been perpetuated forever, you know. It's, but now it's so in our faces, it's allowed the world to be like, oh, okay, that's unfair and this is real. Mm-hmm. So it was it was powerful and rewarding for me to see non-people of color lending their voices and protesting, not just in the States, but all over the world. Like, all wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. wow. You know, people, you know, professing Black Lives Matter. And for the people who feel like, well, all lives matter. You're right. We're just saying us too. Us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People always like, oh, but no, all lives matter. No, no, we're, we, you're right. We want, but we want to be included in the all. Yes. Amen. Amen. (laughs) It's such a good point too, because there's, there's so, there's so many different narratives out there. Right. But it's, but there's the one true narrative, right. Of what the experience, the black community has experienced for over 400 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And as like, I mean, I've had really hard conversations with um, some of my friends and I'm like, as a white woman, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've struggled and I've admitted my struggle of like, how do I have these conversations? And, and because I want to be a part of the solution. Um, and, you know, I know it's super important to, to, to speak up, but I also know it's super important to know what you're speaking up for or against. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's, it's one of those things too, like just to kind of admit, like there's a learning curve, right? There's a major learning curve and, um, and, and like I was saying, back to the point of there's so much out there, like what, like how, how do you, like what advice would you give to me maybe like of being a better ally, like an active mm-hmm. ally? How do I support my friends and the black community like as a whole? Um, right. You know? Um, well, here's the thing. In support injustice. Totally. I think oftentimes I've had these same conversations with plenty of um, my white friends, friends of their friends, family of them, you know, like, I'm like, hey, let's talk about it. Okay. Well, what you're supporting is injustice, but what's ingrained in the fabric of our culture and in your mind and our lives is that it's still a taboo thing. Like, oh, I can't really speak about that. Right. Well, why wouldn't you speak about injustice? Would you speak about injustice if it was Hispanic or Asian or if it was a dog? Well, yeah, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. So why is it not as horrible if it's black? Right? Yeah. So to make it super easy, speak up for injustice because it matters because we only make up 12, 13% of the population and white people created this monster. So it takes white mm-hmm. and everybody else to end it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> you have a wider white reach. So you speaking up or people of non-color speaking up for injustice of black people is super important because you have a wider, W-I-D-E-R, wider mm. reach to others. Totally. That's why it's so important. Because it's me, so important. The, the majority of people who follow me are probably going to be black. The majority of people who follow you are probably going to be white. Okay, I'm black, you're white. Cool. But we want to, all black people feel the same. <laughs> Let me not say yeah. that. Let me not say that. <laughs> not, the vast majority of all black people feel the same. We're fighting for injustice here. You know totally. I mean? We're fighting for ending systemic racism. We're fighting yes. for, I don't want to go to this school and, and, and all these different slave owners were now, now the names of these dorm rooms and blah, 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 that we got to live in. Like, it's still there. It's just very subtly, but it's still there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So when we're saying, hey, silence is complicit, because if you don't want to speak up against this, then it's, it's being silent then means you're okay with it. Right. So then it makes you have to reevaluate your friendships and relationships with people because if you don't see that this is unjust and there's no part of you that wants to say, hey, guys, Black Lives Matter, this is not right, we probably can't be friends. Yeah, totally, totally. So that's the important thing. That's what I would say. You're, you're, you're standing up for injustice. like Absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I had a really great conversation with a girlfriend of mine, a Black woman friend of mine, a few weeks ago. And she, you know, I, I had hurt her by, I think, being silent in the first couple of weeks, you know, and not or not being vocal enough, I guess, and, and maybe not like reaching out to her. Um, and I, I had to take a look at myself and realize like, I, I was doing all or being silent out of fear, like, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong mm -hmm. thing? Because I, I certainly, you know, um, I definitely um, would speak up against injustice in any other realm like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I think I feared, I feared doing it the wrong way. And she mm -hmm. told me, she goes, you know, that's okay. Like, if you do it the wrong way, like, you'll just keep learning and you'll keep, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. we're human. But, you know, it, that did hurt me. And we had a really, really great conversation about it and uh, about accountability holding and all the mm -hmm. things. And it was it was beautiful. So thank you for sharing that, too, because it, it's there's no debate of the injustice. Right. right? That's that's not in debate. <laughs> right. Um, but it, that but that but it is at the end of the day. Right. If we had to break it down to one small thing, but it is. So mm -hmm. when people say, Well, I'm I'm afraid I don't want to say the wrong thing, well, what's the wrong thing about injustice? Like what 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 would you say that could be seemed wrong about standing up for injustice? You have to break it down to a simplistic thing. Because when we, we put all these layers on top of it, we make it so much bigger and, and harder and, and fearful for what it actually really is. But at the end of the day, it's just not right. Totally. So stand up for what's right. Can you do that? Well, yeah. Well, let's go. Well, let's do <laughs> you that. Know what I mean? Well, let's, let's do, do this, this together. You Stop know? layering. That's simple. Yeah. I'm a I'm a layer layerer by default. So I'm layerer. I'm, I'm gonna stop layering, and I'm you know, no, but definitely that's that's. Um, I mean, it's super important. It's super necessary, and it's. I, I want to do the right thing. That's when I need to a hundred percent have the conversation because that's mm -hmm. when it becomes the most necessary. You know, um, to share Absolutely. with other so many people I I know personally who who have felt at least a little bit like that. So it's good to like share this with them too, because maybe they're struggling um, with, with how to show up or how to support mm -hmm. all the things. So just, just do it people. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly. the message. Nike that's got it. Message. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, so let's real, you know, we got to go back because we keep touching on this elusive. What's this you know, you are playing Miss Priscilla Owen in the oh. Oval. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding we me? Right. We were just touching on it. We were just like, well, real quick. But anyways, <laughs> well, I'll just say this. Okay, but anyways, right, right. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, drama is an understatement for that show. It's amazing. Absolutely. It's like, you got the money, the sex, the lies, you know, like all the things right. that make up such like drama in such Tyler Perry fashion. It's, it's incredible. Yes. Um, tell us what it's like been working on that show. Oh man. You know what? Okay. When we were filming the show, we all felt like 
let me back up. This is Tyler Perry's um, first show, first few shows with like Viacom. Remember he was on OWN and then half and a half knots and then he had a different deal and he moved over to BET. So our show and a show called Sisters were the first two shows under that umbrella. And so he was like, you know, going all out. I mean, he built a replica of the White House, right? For this show. Wild. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> and so while we are there filming, all of us felt like we were in this bubble of like, oh my God, this is like the calm before the storm because once the show come out, like things are going to change. Like, oh my goodness. And that was the first time I ever really felt like that, you know, being with all of our, you know, other fellow actors. And when the show hit, it was like the Tyler Perry army is real. <laughs> People were showing up. We do live tweeting every Wednesday, you know what I mean, for the show. And it's like, it's a whole thing. Like it is, it's rewarding to be a part of something that everyone cares about loves so much like I'm, I'm, I have to tell people all the time like fans oh I'm not Priscilla but Priscilla you know, be nice. like, why did you do that why did you do that why did you you know and I'm like oh that's cute but Ty you're on Taja's page you know <laughs> <laughs> um but it's been so rewarding I mean Tyler Perry and this television show has changed the trajectory of my life mm. you know what I mean in such a positive way I'm super, super, super grateful. Like I have the, my book that I have now, and I have like this amount of dialogue to learn. That's insane. If um, uh, you couldn't see but, that, it was on video, but she held up like yeah. the size of like five, I don't know, large Harry Potter books put together. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's like a lot. And I was like, how do I say this? I forgot this audio. Um, so... But but it stretched me so much because it's, he has his own way. Like, you have to learn the Tyler Perry way of filmmaking because we shoot so many pages in one day and things like that. So it stretches you as an actor, which goes back to a mindset thing. Like, as you know, you get an audition, you have 14 pages, and you're like, oh, my God, how am I supposed to learn? How do I expect me to do this in one night? Oh, my God, this is so much. Or if you have two days, how do I expect us me to do this? Because we're going into it with a defeatist mindset, already thinking and saying and professing what we can't do. Mm. This has stretched me in such a way that now there's nothing that I look at in my life with that type of attitude of saying what can't be done. It's, it just hasn't been done in you yet. So now when I'm learning these lines, I'm like, okay, people always be like, how many pages? I'll be like, I don't, I don't count pages because pages brings anxiety for all my fellow actors. They'll be like, oh my God, I got 35 pages. I have 40 pages today. Oh my God, oh my God, 50 pages. Oh, like they're so in that energy. And I'm like, I got 25 things. 25, yeah, it's just 25, I'm good. That could have been 70 pages. I don't know, but I didn't count it on purpose. <laughs> you know what I mean? In one day. Because I don't even want the energy of like, oh my God, I got to remember all this. No, don't do that. Don't, don't put that type of pressure on yourself. So now I'm a part of the show. It's super great. Like we have our season finale coming out, the two hour season finale coming up this Wednesday. It's so huge. The world is watching. They love our show so much. And then even in the middle of a pandemic, we're going back to shoot season two. And we're on a quarantine at Palatary Studios while we're filming. And we got to get tested like every three, four days or something. Oh, I'm wow. excited. I'm blessed. I'm grateful to be a part of this show at this time in life. That sure. is so yeah. amazing, Taja. It is so amazing. <laughs> like, I can't even Thank tell you. you. It's incredible. It's inspiring. I'm super proud of you. I'd love to hear, like, how you got the role. <laughs> like, how did yeah, that all yeah. come out? Totally. So I did this movie with Tyler Perry called Boo 2, Amadea Halloween, Amadea's Halloween, where I played his ex-wife. 
And we had this event promoting the show in LA and, and I, you know, we were there doing, he was like, I got a role for you. I'm, I'm working on something. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm like, oh my God, what, what's the Melissa cooking up now? Um, and so we kept in contact about that, but then he got this Viacom deal. So the deal, she was moving from, you know, own over to, you know, a whole nother thing. And so it was like, oh, I got to put it on hold where I'm going to circle back. And then one day out the blue, I get a text message like, hey, are you still open to doing this? And I'm like, uh, yeah. You're like, new phone, who this? Just kidding. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my God, I should have told you did that. And so I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, okay, cool. So he, they, they put me on tape. I went into Kim Coleman. Um, she's the casting director in LA for his stuff. I went in and did it. She's like, oh, you killed that. You did great. I'm like, okay, great, thanks. And then shortly thereafter, got a contract in hand. They flew us to Atlanta for like screen test. And that's when I got a chance to work with um, Walter Fauntleroy, who now plays my husband, Sam, and, you know, work with other actors and stuff. Cause they was like moving us around, trying to figure out who's who. But a few, three of us went there um, with our contract, like rolling hand. And um, so that's how I got it. And then after that, they put us all in the room and they're like, welcome to the Oval. And it was like, everybody was like, oh my God. Wow. Um, and, and it was just, at that moment, it was life changing. It was like, wow. I can't wow. imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. What, is, what is Tyler Perry like in person? I can only imagine he's just so like a big teddy bear, but like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He totally can be. He totally can be. Um, when we're working, he's very, Tyler Perry is efficient, right? Because if to shoot that many pages to get, I mean, he has a final two machine. He, he gets it going. He starts on time every day. We shoot from like 11 to 11. He, Cause in the morning, I think he's like working out. He has meetings and whatever. But at 11 o'clock, we start right on time with prayer every day. And then we go into the day and we knock it out. He is the most thoughtful, caring, um, amazing person. He's also a germaphobe, which really helps during a pandemic going to shoot. So he's like extra clean. I mean, I'm not even worried. I'm like, it's all very going to be there, girl. We're going to be fine. <laughs> you know? Um, and then he, his brain remembers everything. Like, mm. he just... Um, he's just a machine, you know? But yeah, he could totally be the most teddy bear funny. He's super funny. He's gonna throw some jokes out at you. You know, he's, it's really fun to work with and he's directing every episode. So you're there on set with him every day. It's not other, it's not like a regular TV show where every episode is a different director. No, it's him the entire time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So incredible. So Yeah, fun. yeah. So fun. What's, so fun. What's the, uh, what's the White House like? The built out White House? <laughs> Yeah, so the White House is, I think, like 95% true to the actual White House. Oh. It's amazing. Like, you walk in this thing, and you're like, shut up. Like, I remember they were, they were you know, building it as we were filming. So we were like, is the White House going to be finished? Like, what, are they going to finish it? And everybody's like, trust me, they'll finish it. And we're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, you watch it, and in like two days, I'm like, oh, shit, there's a White House. Okay, it's up. There was nothing there when we got here. Okay. <laughs> wow. And we shot the show in like 18 days and, and we're done. Okay. Wow. Um, but the White House is it's beautiful. Like it's it's extravagant. It's it's like the White House. It's mm. amazing. That's so, so rad. Being in that, I was like, if you built this, this show probably gonna last a little while. <laughs> okay. If you doing that, you spending that kind of money. Nah, we getting more than one season. <laughs> like, let me get some real estate here in... Uh, right, right. You know, <laughs> I'll exactly. settle in. Dude, that's um, Well, I would like to ask you, mm-hmm. since, you know, I feel like you've gotten to this place where you're just, you really, I, I feel like I see you and I get to enjoy watching you, like, 
be on top of the world and do these amazing, incredible projects and work with like super exciting people and they get to work with you. I mean, that's exciting too. <laughs> but what to, you know, everything that you've, you've gone through up until this point, you know, you went, you went to, you graduated high school at 16. It's wild. You know, you went through the rigmarole of like, what do I want to be a broadcast journalist to heading out to LA and going through like your relationship, um, you know, it, things as well. Um, to get to where you are now, I mean, A, it, it's so inspiring, like you went through so much, and you've come through so strong, like stronger than you probably were all those many years ago, um, like what advice would you give that same young girl, that 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18 year old girl, yourself, and or like the listeners out there, like what advice would you give that young girl who wants to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, that's great. I would say it takes grit, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's so good. You say that because I'm I'm working on pause. I'm working on writing a letter to my younger self. I think that's really important for everybody to do. Write a letter to your younger self. So in the letter, <clears throat> and to all of you, the first thing I put is believe in yourself. Love yourself. And know that you are worthy. I grew up with really, really, really low self-esteem because of how I looked and because I was dark-skinned and I was bullied so much and I was teased a lot and all these different things. Um, So it took me well into my 20s to get to a place where I could look in the mirror and be like, I accept what I'm looking at. And it took me 30 years before I could look in the mirror and love what I was looking at. Mm. I'm not that much older than that moment in time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Um, so I would just really, really, really encourage everyone to love yourself. Know that you're, you're worth it. Whatever it is you desire, one in your life, and know that you're worth it. You're worthy of it. And believe in you. When no one else believes in you, someone has to, and it has to be you. Because the grit that it takes to make it just in life, whatever, no matter the profession that you're in, the grit that it takes, it has to come from somewhere inside of you. Mm. That's what I would say. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, and sometimes it takes, it takes, you know, 30 plus years to cultivate. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but, you know, like someone like you that, that especially younger women can look up to, and see that you've accomplished all that you've wanted to, or that you're, you're heading in that direction and you find joy in mm-hmm. your everyday life. Like it's, I think it's a, it's a nice reminder and inspiring, you know, situation for them to know that maybe, maybe I can start working on that now when they're in that younger Absolutely. place. And Absolutely. yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, Taja, I have to say, yeah. You are amazing. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I just, Thank I just you. wish like I had a glass of wine and we were just sitting, you know, in the Oval Office. Right. <laughs> that would, that would, that's the only thing that would make this even better. Um, but before we go, I personally, mm-hmm. I personally want to know this, but I also want to let the people mm-hmm. know, tell me about okay. this lipstick line that you ah, have. Baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So. I have a lipstick collection. It's called the Taja B. Simpson Collection. Um, interesting story about this lipstick, okay, is 
forever, I never wore lipstick. I never wore lip color of any kind or bright colored clothing. Huh, look at me now. Look at me now. Um, <laughs> because I always thought I was too dark and I couldn't do it. Like, it didn't look good on me. I used to be like, yeah, but every, all colors don't look good on all skin tones, blah, blah, blah. I can't do that. So my friends and family, my mother, my makeup friends, best friends would always try to get me to wear lipstick. And I would be like, no, I, it, I got tired of being like, no, 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 no. So one day I'm in a cosmetic store with one of my friends and she's like, Taja, why don't you try this on? And I was just like, oh my God, Crystal. All right, look, I'm gonna try this on. And when you see that this doesn't look good, can you, can we make a deal right now that you're gonna leave me alone? She was like, if you put it on, don't look good, I will never ask you again. I said, oh my God, okay, tell the lady, go get a color. She comes over, what would you like to try? I don't know. My friend wants me to try a lipstick. I don't know. Like, just whatever you think looks good. I don't know. She was like, okay. So she goes and gets this color, and she comes back, and she puts it on me, and I look in the mirror, and I look again, and I start to cry. And she was like, oh, my God, what's wrong? Why are you crying? You don't like it? And I just was like, shaking my head, yeah. And she's like, you like it? I was like, yeah. She said, well, why are you crying? I said, it was at that moment that I believe, I realized I allowed everyone's opinion of me to dictate my happiness. Hmm. And I was like, this is the first time that I realized, wow, I could actually do this. And so it went from like a purple, that was like a purple color that I wore. And then I ended up getting a red and I ended up getting a pink just randomly. Um, these are the colors that I would wear. And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm wearing lipstick. It was like this whole thing about I'm wearing lipstick. Like, oh my God, I'm wearing lipstick. This is like, <laughs> it's like that long ago. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so cut two years later, you know, I wanted to come up with this lipstick collection. And initially when it launched, it had a nude, it had a really deep, like dark color. It had a purple and a pink and a red. And when we got down to it, one of the colors we couldn't really get, and we were like, maybe we were launching for Valentine's Day. We were like, oh, we should just do three. What three should we do? It ended up being the purple, it ended up being the red, it ended up being the pink. And as I sat there, I was like, oh my God, those are the three colors that I first had when I first started wearing lipstick. So my purple is called Triple Threat, my red is called Leading Lady, and the pink is called Light Camera Action. Oh, and that, I love it. Thank you. And so that's the, the, like the brand story of how you know the lipstick came to fruition. It's just because I tried lipstick. <laughs> I, and I've yeah. seen you in red. I mean, you're stun you're stunning in everything. Let's be real. Let me tell you something. Now, now I wear all kinds of colors. Oh yeah, that'll look great on brown. Oh, that looks great up against you. Oh, yeah. oh my god, melanated. Oh my god, hashtag brown girls. What? I'm a whole I love me now. You get me now. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All you know, of it. I'm here for the journey. Yeah. I'm here <laughs> for all of it. I love it. I'll, I'll have to drop a link to where people can find it because they, yes. they need to do that. AjaBSimpson.com, T A J A V S I M P S O N. Get the lipstick. It's really yes. great. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, my love, I'm sure you have about 100 pages of dialogue <laughs> yes. before tomorrow. I do. I do. And I'm. <laughs> So, so grateful that you came on and you spent some time with us and, and shared your story with everyone because mm -hmm. uh, you just never know who needs to hear all the things. And you have such an incredible, incredible story and such staying power. And I'm so impressed and inspired by you. Um, Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And you go out there, you live your best life and yes, uh, you, you make us proud in that fake white, white house. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? Why, thank you, Dolly. <laughs> that, that seems really real. Um, yeah, right, and, exactly. <laughs> and people can watch, they can watch The Oval on Wednesday nights. Is it yes, at- the Wednesday nights on BET at 8, 9 Central. 8, 9 Central. All right, you heard it. It's also on BET Plus. Amazon. Awesome. Well, thank you, Miss Taja. And we'll have, to, we'll have to do this again when we can see each other in real life. And yes, when the world opens up, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Gritty Girls, the podcast you come to for your dose of badassery and inspiration from some of the most influential, accomplished women on the planet. Please subscribe today. I would super appreciate it. I'm Jillian Christie. This is Gritty Girls, and we'll see you next time.